My name's Brandon Staub. And I'm Brad O'Connell. Welcome to In Dispute Podcast, where we discuss hot button issues in the Christian church. We're learning to listen to the Bible instead of our emotions, and we invite you to learn with us. Our hope is that these raw conversations would help lead us to truth and bring us closer to the mind and heart of God. Everybody, welcome to In Dispute Podcast. This is Brad and Brandon, your awesome hosts. <laughs> um, tonight we're having um, this is a slightly different type of topic for us in comparison to some of the other ones we've had, but it's it's uh, just as serious. Actually, maybe even more serious because it's very um, scripturally based. It has to do with the truth of what we believe. So it's not necessarily like different cultural arguments, different social justice issues, or things that don't necessarily have to do with salvation. Um, a lot of the stuff is that we go over on this podcast are opinions or things that we don't really need to necessarily break our brother or sisterhood over. You know, so like um, different, like we talk about the topic of hell was our first one for season two. Regardless of what your view is on hell, that's not necessarily a salvation issue. Tonight, uh, we're talking about the divinity and humanity of Jesus, which really could have something to do, could have a lot to do, could have everything to do with our salvation, uh, depending on what you believe. Um, as far as the topic goes, it, it could change everything. So it's a totally different type of um, seriousness as far as a topic for us. But uh, so like I said, the, the question is, was Jesus fully human? Was he fully divine or was he both? Uh, I just want to give you a little bit of historical background and then we're going to jump into the scripture because if you're the first time listening to Indisput Podcast, one thing that we really stick to is that tradition is uh, informative, tradition is fun, tradition is important. But we never want to base our belief system solely on tradition. We always want to bring tradition to the Bible um, instead of bringing the Bible to tradition. So the Bible always trumps tradition. Uh, so we'll, we will get into that here in just a couple minutes. But um, some, of, some of the church fathers, and when I say church father, I mean some of the, the first people in the first, um, the first portion of time, first couple hundreds of years after the disciples, um, some of these guys would have lived with the disciples or towards the end of the life of the disciples. So that's what I mean by church fathers, people that were starting the actual church um, um, system, I guess you could say, after the disciples have you know left us. But um, some of the church fathers, you might recognize some of these names that believed in the full divinity of Jesus were Polycarp, um, who was a disciple of John, by the way, John the disciple, so someone that's pretty upfront and, and close to this kind of stuff. Ignatius, who was a bishop of Antioch, Justin Martyr, who was a Christian apologist, Tertullian, which is a Christian apologist, and Origen, which is a Christian theologian. So you might recognize some of those names. They all believed in the full divinity of Jesus. Um, and I want to go over real quickly just some, some heresies that came up over the first um, couple of hundreds of years after the apostles, um, just some different arguments against the divinity or for the divinity, etc., of Jesus and just give you some information just so you can have a little bit of background. So there's something called adoptionism and uh, this heresy denies the pre-existence of Christ and therefore denies his deity. And it taught that Jesus was simply a man who was tested by God and after passing the test was given supernatural powers and adopted as a son. 
Um, he was rewarded for all he did with his own resurrection and adoption into the Godhead. So basically he was a man that impressed God, earned powers, and then part of that gift was that he earned resurrection and became part of the Godhead through that. So um, that, yeah, that was corrected by Pope Victor um, somewhere between 190 and 198 AD. Um, so... Then there was, a, and I might butcher some of these, but docetism, and that was a heresy coined from the Greek word dokesis, or dokesis, which means to seem. So it taught that Jesus only appeared to have a body and was not truly incarnate, like a ghost. So they viewed matter as inherently evil and therefore rejected the idea that God could actually appear in bodily form. Um, by denying Jesus truly had a body, they also denied that he suffered on the cross and rose from the dead. So that obviously would, I don't even know how you could be a Christian and not believe that he died on the cross and rose from the dead. Um, so basically, they, in a nutshell, they believed that the flesh was evil, and so if the flesh is evil, then God, who is not evil, could not possibly have come down in bodily form. So um, that was promoted by the Gospel of Peter, which is a Gnostic work, and that was corrected by Ignatius, Irenaeus, and Hippolytus, um, and it was condemned at the Council of Ch uh, Chalcedon. Chalcedon, I'm very bad with these, in 451 AD. Um, so I'm not going to go through every single one that ever existed, but I'm just going to give you a, a couple more here. There's Arianism, um, which was the heresy, this heresy taught that Jesus was a creature who was begotten of the Father. Only God the Father is unbegotten. So basically, Jesus was created by God, and God the Father is the only person that was never created. Um, he was too pure, God is too pure and perfect to appear here on earth, so he created the Son as his first creation. The Son then created the universe. God then adopted Jesus as a Son. Jesus was worshipped only because of his preeminence as the first creation. So, try to break that down. God was too pure to come into the um, creation, so he created Jesus first. Jesus then created the universe. God then adopted Jesus as a son. And he was worshipped because he was the first of creation. And that went um, and got corrected at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. The Nicene Creed was written to respond to it. Um, mono, monothletism. Um, that responds... Um, that emerged in response, I'm sorry, to monophysite, which is another one that we're not going to talk about, but it taught something that is not by scripture. The name is derived from a Greek root that means one will. And it taught that Jesus had two natures, but only one will. Instead of having two cooperative wills, one divine and one human, Jesus had one divine human energia. And that was corrected by the third council of Constantinople. Um, so th th those are just a few of them. I could have gone through about four or so more um, with even weirder names, but you get the gist for those of you who are listening that there were quite um, quite a wide range of different beliefs that happened over the first couple hundreds of years of the, of the church uh, tradition and the church history. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there so we have a starting ground. Mm -hmm. um, but what we really want to do is jump into what the scripture has to say because that's really what we care about. It doesn't really matter what any of these martyrs or theologians say if it doesn't line up with Scripture. So, Brandon, why don't you take it over from here? Okay. For a couple minutes here, I'll shut my mouth. So, 
basically, I think where people really get hung up on this idea of it was Jesus a man when he came to earth? Was he God when he came to earth? Was he both? What What's going on is in Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible because I think it really does a good job of breaking down certain phrases and words. And I'm going to read it slow because there's a lot here to digest. And it would probably be a really good idea for you to maybe press pause on the podcast right now and get your Bible or open your Bible app on your phone so you can actually read along uh, with the Amplified version. Because um, as, as you're about to hear, it, there's a lot going, there's a lot here. Um, so it might be helpful to, to see it for yourself. I was say, do you want to just take just a second and explain what the Amplified version does in case people have never heard of it or never read out of it before? Yeah, so the Amplified Bible, um, it's set up kind of strange. I really, I used to just completely hate it because um, there's brackets all over the place. So like you'll be reading through a sentence and all of a sudden um, some brackets will appear beside a word which will then what's inside the brackets break down um, as close, I guess, to the original language um, as far as like what that word meant. Um, so you'll be reading along and then you'll see a word and then you'll see brackets which further describe more in more detail the word that you just read and then it will continue on to the verse. Um, so just, just for an example quick, um, in the first verse, uh, it says, Have the same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. And then it starts with a bracket to that phrase. That phrase, have the same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. In brackets, look to him as your example in selfless humility, which is what they were trying to get across in the original language. Someone says if somebody's preaching at you through the through the Bible, yeah, instead of a password to have like a side note, yeah, you know, to explain the Greek or something. Mm -hmm. All right, so Philippians chapter two verses four through seven says, "Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to Him as your example in selfless humility." who, although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted, as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it, but emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity. By assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, he became, became completely human, but not with, but was, with, was without sin, being fully God and fully man. So here in the middle of this passage, we read that he emptied himself. Um... And a lot of people will read that, um, and especially without having these brackets here in the Amplified Bible where they just read, but emptied himself 
by assuming the form of a bond servant. People will look at that and they'll say, well, what, do, what does that mean? What did he empty himself of? Did he, does this mean that when he came to earth that he was no longer God anymore? Um, and I think that's maybe where some of those other um, theories have come from, is that they, they read that when Jesus came down, he, he gave up his godness. Right. So that's kind of what we want to discuss today is what 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 does that mean when it says that he emptied himself did jesus really give up give up his being god to come to earth to die for our sins and so for argument's sake let's let's take a look at both sides of this um so for argument's sake let's say that he did give up being god to come to earth and just, he, he was just a man. He was just a human being with no God. Mm -hmm. Like what, what benefits would that be to us? I think that there are some. Um, like while the end goal was for Jesus to step in our place and die for our sins, um, I think he also came to show us that we as human beings we can walk this thing out, but only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like if he, um, if he's coming down to earth as, as God, mm -hmm. of course he could easily blow through life without committing sin. But we as humans can't grasp or wrap our minds around how that's done because we're not God. We're not gods. We're not divine. How can we, um, how can, how can we follow the example of God himself when we're mere human beings? Mm -hmm. So I think, it, I think it is beneficial for us to know that Jesus came here as a man giving up his godness to show us that you can walk through life as a sinless human being, but only through the power of the Holy Spirit. He, um, we see through Jesus that... Um, he had to learn. He had to grow in his faith. Um, he, he, you definitely could tell he didn't have the the divine attributes such as like omnipotence and omnipresence and omniscience. Right. Um, he was limited to his physical body, just like we are. You know he. As far as we know, he could only be in one place at one time. Not like God, who can be everywhere all at once. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he couldn't have been om omniscient, or he couldn't have been all-knowing. If you're already, if you already know everything, there's no way to grow in wisdom. Mm -hmm. What are you growing from if you've already have if you already have all of it? Right. Um, so when we see Jesus' life on earth, we, we see his, human, his humanness without his godness as an example of how we then can walk through life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're saying, you're saying two things here that I think are important. One is that in, in G, 
don't know which one's more important to say here. I like that you're using the word godness because the scriptures, the scripture never ever says that he gives up being God. Like, like Jesus is divine on earth. He has a divine nature. But in this passage that you just read, when it says that he did not, um, it, it says that uh, he didn't consider equality with God as something to be exploited or to be grasped. Um, instead, he emptied himself. Right? Emptied himself of what? Equality with God. So, so you know, that what we have to kind of dig into what, do, what does that mean? When it says that he gave up the equality of, you know, the equality with God, what was it that he gave up? He didn't give up the divine nature in the sense that he, he was still a perfect, holy, righteous human being, like, person, right? He was something that we were not. That there was a divine nature to him, but he gave up the things that made him equal to God in the sense of he wasn't omniscient, he wasn't omnipresent, like those kinds of things. Uh, so I think that's important that you pointed out, because if we, if we say that he gave up his godness, then we're not talking about Christianity anymore. The whole point of being Jesus was that he was God. But, um, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. To give up his godness is okay in the, in the way that you're explaining it. But we have to differentiate, you know, so what does that mean? What was it about his godness that he gave up? But something else that you said that, was, that I think is really important is that what he was doing is where he gave up his godness in, in those things, parts of them he kind of gained back through right relationship via the Holy Spirit with the Father. Mm -hmm. So where he wasn't all-knowing in the purest form um, in that point in time, there were times where it's like, you know, G Jesus heard in their hearts or Jesus knew that they were thinking this or whatever. And it's like, what's really cool about that is that he, he gave up the equality with God in that type of um power, I guess, if you want to say it, but he was still able to do it to a degree because he had the Holy Spirit in him and he had such a perfect relationship with the Father that he was able to connect with him. God literally spoke to him and revealed truths to him. Mm -hmm. And so like you, like you point out, what he was doing was teaching us what it, and this is where his humanity comes in to be so important for us, um, is that he was teaching us what we were created to live like. Mm -hmm. This is, if you didn't have sin, if you weren't wicked, if you would have been living the way you were created to, to, to live, this is what it would look like. You would be able to heal like this and speak like this and know like this because you would have perfect intimacy with the Father through the Holy Spirit. So I think those, those two things that you've said so far are really, really important to pay attention to. Um, and I have another scripture here. It's Hebrews 4, chapter 4, verse 15 which says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weakness and temptations, but one who has been tempted, tempted knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every, in every respect as we are, yet without committing any sin. So there again, it's showing us that um, he knows exactly what it's like to be a human being because he took that form and... Um, he had to walk the same walk that we're walking right now. Mm -hmm. um, he had to learn like we have to learn. Like I, I believe personally that it's not like Jesus was born into the world and he knew from the get-go that he was the son of God. 
I believe that he he had an epiphany one day, and through relationship with Father, it it came to him. It it wasn't something that was already ingrained in him. Maybe through um, his mother teaching him. Maybe through it says that uh, he went to the temple, and he would listen and ask questions of the. Uh, the leaders and the synagogues, um, he had to walk through this life and this faith just like we do. Um, that's why we can sympathize and we have someone that, through Jesus, that we can identify with. If that's true, it would have been fairly young in his life, though, because we see in Luke at the age of 12, 12, I think it was, right? 12 mm -hmm. is the little bit that we have about his childhood. Um, that at the age of 12, he's, he was basically just like, Mom, Dad, why, why are you freaking out right now? I, You should have known that I would have been in my father's house. Um, and the way that he says that, I, he means my father's house. I really believe that he meant that. And so if that's true, it would have been at some point in, in his younger childhood, um, which we don't have a whole lot on. Mm-hmm. So then uh, the only other thing that I had as far as like, so say Jesus was just a man on earth. Um, what would Jesus' death on the cross have meant for humanity if he was just a man? Mm -hmm. If he wasn't God dying on that cross, then it was really just some dude being out of a tree. Um, it wouldn't have had the same effect for us as if it was God sacrificing himself to save his people. Right. Um, it, he wouldn't have been the perfect sacrifice if if his, his life, though he was teaching us what it looked like to live in perfect relation with the Father, it was more than that and had to be more than that for the sacrifice to work. Because the point of the cross was that the bulls weren't working anymore. We, we couldn't throw Barabbas on the cross. We couldn't throw Peter on the cross. That wasn't going to save. Humanity is so depraved and so broken that even when we are put in right relationship with God, like you get saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever, you are a new creation, but you're still, you still sin. You're still in this broken world. Jesus didn't sin before or after the Holy Spirit. There was something perfect, something divine about his life that made him that spotless, sinless lamb slain from the foundations of the earth um, that made the sacrifice worth worth everything. You know, like like you've said a couple times, like if he didn't have that divineness to him, the divinity to him, then that sacrifice, you, you might as well have just put Peter on the cross. It would have been just as pointless. Mm -hmm. right. So then on the other end... What if God was, or what if Jesus was fully God and he wasn't human at all? Um, we already actually hit on a lot of these points, but um, Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with go both God and man. If he was fully God here on earth, no human no humanness, all God, um, 
He wouldn't have needed to grow in wisdom. He wouldn't have needed to grow in favor with God the Father. He would have already had that. Um, all of He would have had all of his divine attributes. Um, he would have been all-knowing. He would have been able to be... Uh, imagine Jesus being omnipresent while on earth. He would have been able to be preaching in 700 different places at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, but mo more importantly... Um, as we said towards the beginning, if he was fully God, if he was just God on earth, mm -hmm. there's no way we could have looked at him and and been able to to say, oh, yeah, I can I can follow that. Right. <laughs> there's no way for us to be able to identify with God. Um. Well, not only that, but the point of the sacrifice was to save mankind. It had to have been an equivalent um, of, w of what he came to save. If it was fully divine, like, he could have saved gods, mm -hmm. <laughs> which, you know, don't exist. But, you know what I mean? Like, the, the point was that, that it had to be a human and it had to be a perfect sacrifice. The, bloods of, the blood of bulls and goats can't save humans. The, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament wasn't salvific. It was to show how sinful they were. It was to show the mess that their sins create and what it costs to cover it. Um, so. Um, also, just kind of like... A, a, a sidebar here, as far as like, if, if Jesus would have been fully God on earth, you would think that like in the Old Testament, when God would, would um, when God's presence was in the midst of, of the people, people would not be able to look at Him, or they would have been just incinerated by His glory. Right. Um, so uh, they would only be able to see like Him from from behind or whatever, or with a veiled face. So if Jesus had come down in His full glory and His full divine godness um, you'd think it would probably have the same effect on people then he would come down and everyone would just be incinerated because they couldn't handle right. being in the in the presence of God um, so I just I don't think that Jesus being only God while he was here on earth is even a, a reasonable argument right. <clears throat> um, I don't know if there's anything that you want to add here before I, I go into my own theory. So, mm, well, I think it's important, you know, I was going to skip this, but I think it is important to talk about some, some passage here. I'm just going to bring up real quickly that talk about both his humanity and his divinity. Because I think it's important to show that the Bible does express that he did have both. So we're going to argue this when we argue it from Scripture. And so we see that he was born, right? So he was actually popped out of a human being as Jesus the, the, the man. That was in Luke 2. He grew, which you mentioned in Luke 2. Um, he grew tired in John 4. He got thirsty in John 19. He was hungry in Matthew 4. He became physically weak in Matthew 4. He died in Luke 23 and the rest of the gospel. Like he physically died on the cross. There was humanity in there. Breath left his lungs. 
Um, he had a real touchable, tangible body after the resurrection. Um, he has human emotions. He weeps. He marvels. He gets sorrowful. Um, he gets troubled. Um, he had a human mind. So he increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God. He um, said that only the Father knew when that day was going to come as far as the second coming um, is concerned. So, so he had limitations to his mind, like humans do. Um, he had a human will, right? He said that I, you know, this is what my will is, but not my will, but your will be done. Um, I have come down from heaven in John 6, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Um, but then we also see the scripture in several different places talk about him as God and fully God. Titus 2, um, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, in John 1, it says, Thomas cried out, my Lord and my God. I'm sorry, that was John 20. Um, in John 1, he's called the only begotten God. Um, you know, you know, we can go on and on uh, um, as far as that's concerned. Colossians 2, he's the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. I mean, that passage right there kind of concludes the conversation. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Um, and then, the, of course, what we just talked about in Philippians. So the, the Bible argues very strongly for both his humanity and his divinity at the same time. So I just wanted to kind of point that out and give people some, some passages to look into. I just... Um, it's a really cool thing. I wish it didn't happen in the middle of the podcast sometimes, but sometimes I feel like God drops things into my brain in uh, forms of visions. And I was just thinking of... Um, a story in here that I think like there's no other story at least in my opinion that shows how how human Jesus really was when he was here and that's uh, in John chapter 2 this is the wedding at Cana and so there He's at this this wedding party with his mother. I'm giving my Brandon Staub version of the Bible. Um, he's at, he's at a wedding party with his his mother, and um, they run out of wine. And um, Mary, Jesus' mother, comes to Jesus and and basically says, "I need you to." Um, I need you to, to perform a miracle here. We need more wine. We're out of wine. Um, the party isn't over. We need you here. And in verse 4, Jesus says to her, Dear woman, what is it that what is it to you and to me? My time has not come yet. And his mother tells uh, in verse 5, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. So basically what's happening here is, um, I, here's the picture I got, I'll just, I'll just go with this. So 
I don't have kids, but Brad, you do, and maybe you haven't had this moment yet, but I, I saw a picture of a mother and her son, and he's on a bicycle, and he hasn't, he hasn't ridden the bike without training wheels yet, but mom took the training wheels off, and now she's kind of like holding on to the back of his shirt while he's pedaling. And mom says, all right, I want you to start riding on your own now. I'm going to let go. And little boy says, no, mom, I'm not ready yet. And mom says, no, you are. You're ready. And let's go. So that's what ha what's, this is what's happening here. Well, and in this vision, and this is what happens in life, is the little boy is not confident yet. And his ability to and his ability to ride on his own, and this is what I think is happening to Jesus at this point in his life. Is his mom is looking at him and she's seeing, "You're ready to step into this now. Here's your opportunity." And Jesus is saying, "I'm not. It's not my time yet. I'm not ready." And Mary is saying, "No, you're ready," and tells all the the servants of the house just. Do whatever he tells you to do. Uh, no other story, in my opinion, in the Bible shows the humanity of Jesus than right here. When you can see that he's just, he's not even confident in himself yet. That he's ready to step into his destiny. And um, I just thought that was a really, a really cool picture. You know, we're talking about. The humanity of Jesus, whether he was human or whether he was God or both. And I think that this here is a really powerful picture of the humanity of Jesus as a human being. Uh, so now that uh, my notes are all screwed up now and I have to try to segue back into my notes. Um, there is a third scenario that I, I kind of, as I was going through the, my, the notes and as I was doing some research and looking at some different uh, theories, I actually came up with one of my own that I, I haven't been able to find anywhere else, so I'm claiming it as my own theory. And I'm not saying that I believe this way. Um, or that this is the, the truth of Scripture, but um, it's something that came to me. And that is, what if he was only human for the majority of his life? From birth until he was, he died when he was around 33 years old. Up until the last couple weeks, what if he was only human? And the reason I came up with this theory is I was thinking about the transfiguration. And the description of what happened on that mountain, uh, you know, Peter, James, and John witnessed Jesus up on the mountain physically change. They said they were, it said that they were looking at him and all of a sudden light was coming from his head and his clothes. And... Um, he became 
almost glorified on that mountain. And when he stepped down off that mountain, he was he was different from when he walked on onto it. Um, my idea that I'm throwing out into the possibilities of what's going on is what if Jesus was literally walking as only a man under the direction of the Holy Spirit until it was just about his time to die on the cross and then the fullness of God came upon him on that mountain. He was transformed on that mountain uh, just in time for him to finish up the rest of his ministry and go to the cross. Because that's, that's one thing that I've never really been able to understand or like, like why is this portion of scripture in the Bible? Like what is the transfiguration? What is it even here for? What does it mean? It, it's just out of the blue. Like it's Jesus ministry. He's healing people. He's talking to the disciples. He's teaching. He goes on a mountain, fills with light and is glorified. Goes back to teaching, right. <laughs> like with his disciples, and then he dies on the cross. It's like this really strange, odd moment in the middle of his ministry, well, mm -hmm. towards the end of his ministry, that I've always just been like, "What is this? Like, what is happening here? Why is this here?" Right. And as I was going through the, these notes, I'm thinking, "Well, maybe this is him finally." setting aside his human nature, his humanness, and finally taking on the fullness of, of his godness to then go to the cross. Mm -hmm. Because we do need, we need God to die on the cross. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I definitely agree that the transfiguration feels odd, that it kind of feels like it's just thrown in there. Um, and uh, this is certainly, I mean, this is certainly a theory, but I, I guess to, just to, for funds, funsies to uh, play devil's advocate, I think what the argument against it would be is that it's it seems that when he's baptized at the age of 30, that's his first true encounter with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so up until that point, what was keeping him sinless if it wasn't for his full divinity? So if he was fully human up until a certain point of time, that means he would have also been able to sin up until a certain time. So there would have been nothing holding back from sinning. There would have been no holiness, so to speak, of um, to combat that. And so that that I think would be the argument in this in this theory is that what about those first thirty years of life? Because as, if, as soon as he sins one time, if it's a thought that's sinful, the sacrifice is worthless. And so that I think that might be one one aspect of the theory to just kind of think about and, and kind of roll around the tongue a little bit. Mm -hmm. But then with that, with that line of thinking, can we sympathize with him? Because we don't, we don't have the luxury of being part God. We're fully God and fully man at the same time. Right. Um, we, although, I mean, we also don't have you know, one, I mean, many things Jesus can say that we can't, but we can't say that um, our mothers were divinely uh, 
we weren't divinely conceived. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a mother and a physical mother and a physical father. Jesus only had a physical mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as far as this, this, the the sympathy goes, I don't think we are meant to sympathize or empathize with him. But Hebrews, as you just mentioned, says that he came to empathize with us. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's the difference. I don't, I don't, I don't know how important it is if we can sympathize or empathize with him. I mean, certainly good thoughts, because we have to find, I mean, like you said, the transfiguration is kind of weird, so, I mean, something did happen there with, as far as glory goes, and as far as, you know, his divinity is concerned, whether it's as simple as him just kind of giving the disciples a sneak peek, and that's all it was supposed to be, or whether there was something more there that we don't really fully understand, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things you wish you were in the, the gospel writer's heads a little bit, like, what was it like? What did he tell you afterwards? And why didn't you tell us? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's possible that they didn't even really understand what they had just witnessed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and they were probably too scared to ask. <laughs> um, well, yeah, because that was the first time they would have heard the voice of God in in hundreds of years, mm-hmm. hundreds of years, that that God would have boomed through the clouds, so to speak that it was just the intertestamental period was just totally nothing it was them just waiting well whether my my theory here is the right one or whether it's completely insanity i think that it is important for for us as far as a conclusion to this to say that um jesus had to have been god on earth whether he was fully God and fully man at the same time, or whether he took the form of God during the transfiguration, or um, whether it, it happened some other way that, that we don't even know. Right. Um, there had to have been both at some point in time, somehow. Yes. Uh, it couldn't have ever been a scenario where Jesus was only a man from beginning to end. Um, he had to have been... He had to have been God, mm-hmm. um, at least by the time he he uh, he died on a cross. Right. If not, we're all here wasting our time. That is true. So. All right. Well, I guess pretty much the end of the conversation. But as always, we um, we hope that you would take the time to think about this, pray about this topic. And go on our social media accounts. We've got Facebook, Instagram. We each have individual Instagrams. Um, you can catch us on the church page. You can email us um, and let us know your thoughts. Let us know, you know, what your interpretation of Scripture is. Um, if you have, like, Brand, if you if you can come up with something else, maybe is kind of floating around in your mind, and you want to chat with us about that, we'd love to have any kind of conversation with you. Um, and as always, if there's any topics that you want to hear us talk about that we have not talked about yet. Uh, let us know on on those social media uh, sites as well because we're always looking for new things to talk about um, and and to wrestle through scripture with with you guys and gals so see you next time thanks for listening to in dispute podcast we hope today's conversation has stirred you to seek biblical truth if you'd like to contact us with questions comments or suggest topics you can find us on twitter at Dispute Podcast. 
and on Facebook at facebook.com slash indisputepodcast. Tune in next week for another topic in dispute.